the white boys in Carrick. There are three or four ash trees near Carrick Rock, and three white boys were supposed to be hanged on them. Their names were Lynch, Madigan, and Lewis. Lynch and Madigan were from Palace, and Lewis from Ballycommons. While they were being hanged, one of the comrades came there, dressed as a girl. The yeomanry were gathered there, together, around the three white boys. One of the yeomen saw the comrade dressed as a girl and knew him. He called him and told him to leave the place immediately. The comrade left Carrick and escaped across to Shannon to Clare. The ash tree on which the white boys were hanged never grew right. Even to the present day, the branches are knotted and tangled. Hi guys, and welcome back again to Pish Rogues. Yay! How are you, Anne? I'm good, man. I'm always good. How always good. As long as we're recording, I'm good. Ooh, well, <laughs> once, that, once I hit that red button, I feel good. I feel good. Just for you guys. <laughs> um, today, we're going down. There's a little bit of superstition in there. You heard about how those trees never grew I would again. love... I, I know it's probably unlikely, considering these stories are set in the 1700s, but I would love those trees were there to see if they actually were mm. all weird. But uh, yeah, less of a superstitious vibe. This time round, uh, we're go- we're tackling some real history, some history that me and Aaron, even I did junior up to junior third history. Same. I never heard of this. These white boys. I hadn't heard. We're doing a podcast on the white boys. I hadn't heard of them specifically, but when I was reading up on them, I remember little snippets where I'm like, I remember these sentences being mentioned, but mm. the idea of this gang or this organization called the White Boys specifically, never heard of them. No, and. Uh, the way we got onto this was literally, I conceive of as destiny. Uh, um, we started onto this podcast, uh, started up the idea, I think, just as quarantine was coming around. Mm-hmm. Uh, around the same time, uh, January 9th, 2020, uh, the movie True History of the Kelly Gang, uh, directed by Justin Kurzel, based on the novel by, um, what's his name, Carey, Peter Carey, a best-selling novel, won lots of awards. Uh came out that film came out uh at a bad time a lot of people didn't get to see it yeah it was out like probably in ireland just around february marchish but it's about ned kelly who is a infamous bush ranger and in new zealand yes exactly he's kind of like a can be a local hero or villain depending on who's telling the story and things like that he's almost like a robin hood-esque character Hmm. but the movie is absolutely gorgeous it is one of my favourite movies I've seen in 2020 and I'd highly recommend if it comes to streaming or anything like that for people to watch it because mm. it feels like that story, our story of fighting this English oppression mm, and landlords, etc. Um, no, it, it's amazing and it also I do like, I think some hard-headed historians won't enjoy the film no. because it plays with history. Mm-hmm. It, they inject punk into into this story from you know a long time ago they inject you know sometimes you're looking at cargo boxes rather than ramshack houses and you're looking at things from the modern day mm. uh but um it's definitely a sight for the eyes oh. but something that kept coming up uh, the reality is that ned kelly 
is the ancestor of Irish immigrants to mm-hmm. Australia. But um, we wanted. I'm pretty to sure his father had directly come from Ireland. Yeah, yeah, and to we wanted to gut the fact from fiction because the joke to true history of the Kelly Gang mm. is that they have a bit of fun with history yeah. and the blind spots of history, as we've shown you thus far with the Willow Wisp and with Changeling. Uh, there are blind spots in history and it's up to us to try and guess as good as we could. I guess, and some people fill them in with bits of funny mm. stories and odd characters and all such And Kurzel, the director, doesn't... He's done it in an interesting way. He's not trying to do the most likely thing. He's doing what best suits mm. his tale. But something that came up a lot was um, the Sons of Sieve. Sons of Sieve, they call themselves. Sieve. And we were like, oh, sounds like Sive yeah. to us. Uh, and at a certain point, I'm almost certain... They said something like, your father was a white boy. Mm. And I thought, I was like, is this just an insult, as we'd say now, like, you white boy? But, uh, trailer trash, something like that. Yeah. But what we discovered was, I remember then when I was perusing Jewicus for stories for this podcast, uh, I found the word white boy. Mm. And I said, what is this? And it turns out Ireland has a rich history of uh, Queen Sive outlaws' children, uh, which were better known as the levelers or the white boys levelers or the white boys and it's funny that you say that that in New Zealand he Nick Kelly's father was is this in New Zealand or Australia am I wrong it's New Zealand I'm pretty sure damn yeah we should check that Uh, right now we're just going to one of us will say the correct country uh, in this little edited bit here alrighty it's my apologies Luke he is Australian yeah that's perfect (laughs) so what I found as well when I was looking into the white boys seemed to originate in Ireland that idea of fighting this oppressive English force-ish on a local basis. There is talks of the white boys being in North America, being involved in Canadian kind of uprisings, revolutions, all sorts of things like that. So it spread across the entire world as mm. we Irish are wanted to do, it seems. We're really good at it. We're really, we're so <laughs> we're good at spreading But uh, in short... Um, for the uh, white boy, being a white boy became a thing. White boyism. Mm. Just as boycotting. Boycott is an Irish word. Came yeah. from uh, the landlord boycott. Uh, gerrymandering. They decided gerrymandering, yep. Getting rid of it. So in the same way, wh- white boy, be- the white boys became less of a group and more of a idea. White boyism mm. is a thing of just a group of volunteers, almost of, of lads becoming dissatisfied with how things are run and mm. taking it upon themselves uh, and there are we'll go further into what exactly the white boys are but to just pique your interest allegedly the white boys were the first oat sealed group uh, the first secret society of a way and all bound society and I like this idea there is no one leader of the white boys there isn't it isn't some sort of cult of personality where they follow you know like a, mm. a Collins or a Dev or an anyone this was just, they all agreed, despite their, this was inter-religious, Protestant, Catholic, anything. They all agreed, rack rent, which is a rent decided outside of terms of law. So it could be a rent that leaves you with just enough money to pay rent and nothing else. Uh, they decided that was unfair. Uh, but the reality is, these were violent vagabonds as well, Aaron. Uh, so they've been kicked off their land things like that had happened yeah know? they were kicked off their land uh, or being fearing that they would were about to be kicked off their land and had a rightful chip on their shoulder so mm. uh, there's a love hate relationship uh, with these characters mm. 
amongst the local people, as we'll see now. Just like with Ned Kelly? Himself. About 50 years ago, there dwelt in a day or a gang of men named White Boys. They carried around with them rifles and revolvers. They were hated by all the people who tried their best to wipe them out, but in vain. They had a few good points. They robbed the rich to feed the poor. They went to the big farmers of the district, and if they gave an order for a sack of meal or potatoes to be deposited at such a person's doorstep, woe to them who would disobey. They used also look for food and lodgings, and if they did not get them, they would shoot down the person who would not give it. There was a man who lived in Fanningstown named Oliver Watson. He and some other farmers planned to kill the leader. One dark night, James Walker, the leader, was asleep in a hollow in Tory Hill. They killed him. Then the gang scattered and were never heard of again. So as Luke mentioned, a love-hate relationship. So these were this secret organization, oath-bound organization of these men, young farmers, laborers, tenants, farmers, these people who were, had been evicted, had been kicked off their land or were suspected to be kicked off. I'm saying their land when in fact, this was post-plantations, so they were paying to be using this land, so they're being mm. kicked off. It was these. their rightful land in their opinion, yeah. but uh, obviously the United Kingdom thought it was theirs. The landlords were kicking them off. So we mentioned that they had no leader, so we had just said in this story that they wanted to kill the leader, James Walker. So in my mind, James Walker is like a local figure who's the head of these local white boys because the white boys seemed to spring up all over Munster when mm. the kind of their activity started. What we meant by they have no leader is there is no one president, there is no one head, there is mm. nothing like that. It's just all these people bound by the same reason. That reason, I guess, is the reason. And that's what's the, exciting what about by. it. So many of our revolution stuff for now are staked on individuals that start mm. them. And when that individual dies or perhaps becomes less favorable, the revolution dies with them. Yeah. But this thing was an idea that if even if every man died, white boyism could come back. Can always come back. It's so simple. It Such can always come back. Easy spell. Uh, uh, so what led to the white boys' uh, anger and to their situation where they were kicked off the land? So we're all quite aware that Ireland was planted by mm. England. So a brief history of all that. In the 16th and 17th century, England confiscated land owned by Gaelic clans and Hiberno-Normans. Mm. These Hiberno-Normans were people who had emigrated to Ireland in the past, but they weren't spreading their yeah. society and their politics and things like that. So there's two types of plantation. The first type was tried above an Ulster and things. It was called the Surrender and Regrant. This was a legal mechanism used to convert Irish clans from their Brehan law to the feudal, mm. to the late feudal system of England. If you remember Brehan Law is that the land is passed down to the oldest son and things like that, the kind of system that they had. They tried to use surrender and regrant to guarantee these Gaelic clans lands under English common law to assimilate Gaelic leadership into this new Tudor kingdom of Ireland and Anglican Church. Hmm. So this worked and didn't work in places. Um some Gaelic clans did um, convert over and mm. can't say much about them I guess they thought they might have been killed if they didn't but that happened yeah. the second type of plantation is a bit the bit more egregious one 
in which it was mass confiscation of land that was given to English and then later Scottish colonists, or we keep calling them planters. Mm. This began with Henry VIII in the early 1500s and continued into the mid-1600s. In the 1650s, Cromwell's protectorate, which was this kind of republic between England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales, in which they were governed and ruled by one, it saw large planned plantations and thousands of parliamentarian soldiers settled in Ireland. This is really when English rule was pretty much... We're staying. Yeah. <laughs> England were like, nah, it's ours now. It's yeah. ours. Uh, the fuckers. This ain't a struggle anymore. <laughs> no, it's just ours and we're taking it and that's just the way it is. So the Catholic ruling class at the time with their Irish identity, cultures, traditions, they all had the same kind of political attitudes, was completely uprooted and replaced by wealthy colonists. And these colonists represented England and Scottish interests in Ireland. Irish people didn't have much of a say. This was about the time that Irish society was changed and our country was anglicised, which is sad. And to give the uh, neo-version, essentially, of our white boys, as we've spoken, I just forgot at the start, the very first story we told uh, to the good people, uh, was about the yeomanry, as you told. Is yeoman. That yeoman. I call them the yeoman. Yeoman. Because they're spelled yeoman. Y-E-O. M-A-N, that's mm-hmm. it, y- yeoman. But uh, they're essentially the British Army Reserve, for want of a better word. Pretty uh, much. They were brought in after the French Revolution because England got scared. Wow, we could get domestic terrorists. Uh, so they set up that local countrymen, the sort of higher class of the common folk. Uh, they asked them, do you want to defend your nation sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of... If the white boys were the common folk that were fighting against the monarch, the yeomen of Ireland were yeoman. the common or yeomen were mm-hmm. the common folk who were fighting against these white boys and, and protecting the land. They were serving the crown. Not exactly militant, as in not they wouldn't go off to war. More like a militia. So now I know how the white boys, why they came to be a plantation uh, unfairly. Uh, removed from their land uh, but what established them into this group that they formed so the white boys in the Bukali Bona mm-hmm. they wanted to fight back against local landlords mm. they weren't really this organisation that wanted to bring down the government or anything like this it was all grassroots level mm. what I can see and what I can change right exactly exactly, mm. and not this feeling of we need to change the entirety of Ireland the entirety mm. of Ireland didn't matter to them what mattered to them was they can't grow crops in their farm anymore because they don't have a farm anymore things like that Mm. so they were an Irish secret agrarian organisation in the 18th century they used violent tactics to defend tenant farmers land rights and their name derived from the white smocks they wore Mm. so as more of a setup between 1735 and 1760 land was starting to become more predominantly used for grazing and beef farming Partly because pasture land was exempt from tithes and tithes were, wasn't mm. it 10% of any money you made had to go to either the government or the yeah. church. So then originally these planters, colonists, landlords would rent out or lease out their land to these farmers for exorbitant prices, well mm. above what the land was worth. But when you paid this, you were entitled to use this kind of common ground to let your cattle graze in and things like that. But... Because beef farming was becoming more profitable now, these landlords decided, you know what, we're going to 
keep all this common ground for ourselves and even though you're paying us the same prices this exorbitant mm. rent you don't have access to this common ground this common land anymore so how are they going to pay so. this money how are they going to do anything this the type of farming was subsistence farming which was f- hand to mouth mm. like you were growing enough potatoes to feed your family not to go down to the market and sell them that wasn't really a thing at this time for Irish farmers anyway so as a result of this small farmers and laborers were kicked off their lands and thus the white boys were like you know what fuck these damn landlords let's wreck the place let's get them asses on let's put on these smocks let's go around at night and wreck havoc and fair play to them because they got English came in and they were absolutely oppressive and like all these things I'm from my readings the white boys started as a slightly they were antagonizing but not physically violent I don't think at the start at it the sounded. start yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason apparently more commonly I read correct me if I'm wrong at the time they were more often known as levelers at the start levelers because to the papers and stuff because they would level the they would level these fences that the landlords have put up to stop people accessing this common ground mm. this shared grazing space for their cattle so they would level these fences and under laylands and things which are fields that were left to fallow but obviously these as confidence built and as mm. they got you know give them an inch they'll take a mile Prolific. I'm sure the English were thinking um, they started to get cockier and, uh, which I quite enjoy <laughs> for some Absolutely. of the stories and they, they told they called themselves as we mentioned earlier the Queen Sive Outlaws children they called themselves fairies or followers of Joanna Meskel or Sheila Meskel these are all kind of symbolic leaders and if we all remember Sive was the wife of Fionn McCool, who was the mother of Oshin in Tirnanog. Mm. So she was a god. She was one of the ace she, and they taught themselves as descendants or people enacting her will of claiming back their land. Mm. Fair play to them. But uh, the ace she is a title. If you don't know what they are yet, don't worry. We'll get there. But it's going to take a good few episodes. Oh. Lots of gods mm. in early Ireland. Lots of gods and. God's friends and oh. other gods. <laughs> God's neighbours. Yeah. The burning of Churchtown. The Irish name for Churchtown is Brothana. There was a chieftain living in a wooden house where the old village graveyard is now. Some say that the old village of Churchtown was in Anna. Others say it was in the same place it is now. All the houses in the village were thatched and would have been still only for a burning which took place in 1822. The police barrack was situated on the western side of the village, formerly called George's Street. There were 15 police in the barrack and when in need of help, when the white boys used to attack them, they got help from the police in Buttevant. The white boys were young boys who were put out of their farms. They used to put their shirts outside their coats and used to attack the settlers and the police barrack. On February 1822, the white boys on the eastern side of the parish assembled together. The western white boys assembled on Windmill Hill under the command of Brosnahan of Ardglass. They shot a policeman named Benlap on Windmill Hill and it was an old saying with the people ever after in that district when they spoke of the burning of Churchtown as dead as Ben Lapp. About midnight on the 1st of February, the white boys surrounded the barrack 
and those on the eastern side threw a volley into the barrack from a nearby wall. The boys on the western side threw sods of lighting turf on the roof, which was attached. Most of the police were killed, and three private houses destroyed. Next morning, Colonel Goh came with the soldiers, intending to burn the whole village, but only for Sheriff Crofts, who lived near the place, and Father O'Brien, who was in Churchtown at the time. The whole place would have been burned out. Three white boys were killed, and their bodies were taken to Carrageen Bog and hidden in ricks of turf until later when they were buried. Two other white boys named Brosnahan and Lillis, two important men, escaped to England, but were followed by detectives and a friend of their own who gave them away. They were hanged on Peggy's Rock, about half a mile from the village on the Buttevant Road. Another white boy named Singleton was hanged on Knockard Bain Hill near Liscarroll, and the grass has never grown in that place ever since. So as we can see from that story, they weren't always non-violent, they weren't always just levelling <laughs> no. fences. They fought, they killed, they murdered, they stole, they, they did all sorts of cows, things. cows, I read. Hamstringing. Hamstring. Did you Google what that was as well? I, I remembered know. it from, specifically from our history books, of <laughs> a way to fight against the landlords was just crippling these cows, was to essentially <laughs> render the cow useless by Damn. cutting its hamstring tendons, meaning it couldn't walk. Um, tackle them at their source at what horrific. they're selling yeah crazy um, so these white boys there is obviously a group of white boys that only acted against landlords but like mm. any kind of a gang or any sort of a it's not even a gang specifically because it's more of an affiliate or something it's almost like supporters of a cause i feel like it was the early version of you know in other times where people felt like let's say when the mines were shut down in England and punk culture and mod culture and riding around on bikes. It's not mm. like they were, it's not like someone started a legitimate society up, but it just became a thing. It became a thing. And what we're trying to say is just in that situation of let's say there was mods on motorbikes in England with their code and maybe they followed a strict code. It wouldn't stop some random guy in the area hopping on a motorbike. And, and wrecking and, havoc. Yeah, and this happened in Ireland uh, to, I imagine, to dilute the white boy power yeah people started to use white boy very liberally about any rogue that attacked yeah the area. like luke said white boyism was used as a general term for rural violence connected to any sort of a secret society or gang this yeah. does kind of obscure the history then of the white boys because at their core the white boys are meant to be this group that were fighting against landlords and oppressive acts and excessive priest jews and evictions and things like that but mm. then just like any sort of gang mentality, they people kind of get greedy. People like power, so they were blackguarding mm. people. They were they needed, you know, they did. It. There was a certain expectance. Some people did just give. This happened even to Ned Kelly, just by the way, in the Australian thing. So some people were white boy sympathizers. Would give them mm. their rifles or give them food if they needed it or horses yeah but white boys weren't against the idea of right we've asked you for food and you haven't given it to us we're taking that it. we're taking it and that was the you white might boy get shot in the policy as well so not all good uh, their goal was good but obviously you get blinded by it i'm sure they did lots of looting and ransacking I, they just became gangs of outlaws men who were thrown off their land they had to survive so they lived that outlaw mm. life just like almost like a wild west the wild west of Ireland because most of it was in Munster. <laughs> it was, all of it's in Munster. <laughs> all it seems it crazy. Munster. So again, 
it wasn't a political movement. It was more against the local landlords. And this meant that there was people of different religions involved. It wasn't just... We're not make this... Uh, just Roman Catholics. Yeah, I'm. S- <laughs> you can get sick in Irish history of feeling like it's a constant battle between... <laughs> Religion. Yeah. It isn't. It's This one is just oppression. Mm-hmm. And people fought against oppression in different ways, sometimes horribly, and killing innocent people. So, an idea of simple things uh, that the white boys did. I remember one of the stories I read on Jewicus, uh There was a woman, who, the woman of the house, in this landlord house, was particularly unfair uh, to the tenement farmers. Cruel, even. Cruel, yeah. I think she's a wicked sort of woman. Yeah. And the you white boys heard of this. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm almost thinking they were camping in a forest nearby or something but all i know is these three the man and woman were gone to bed that night and they heard a knock on their door their actual sleeping quarters and they're like oh and the husband went up to answer and it was three white boys standing there and they more or less said that woman is to stop yeah treating these people unfairly and they said get out of our house and then the white boys asked them again and then they produced a wild cat from their smocks and uh, threw it in uh, under the, the covers under the covers and apparently scarred the woman permanently supposedly uh, she was so badly damaged she was under doctor's care for a month so this is what they did they went in and made it very clear you keep treating these lad, these tenants these labourers like this hmm. we're gonna f- you up we're gonna mess you up but as we said the uh, the definition of the white boy very much got diluted by authorities and by people uh, and mm-hmm. back then so it eventually became a thing that if you are any sort of person, Rogue, outlaw, active thief, society, robber, they said, oh, that's a white boy. Mm. It's one of those sort of things. Uh, so there was a guy we read about, O'Kelly. This is great. Him and his <laughs> mother, I think, lived in a cave. Lived in a cave. And he had a blunderbuss, which was a weapon he used to stun and sometimes kill people. He would rob. A blunderbuss. Now you might you recognize it from Pirates of the Caribbean, where it's this musket but it's a very short barrel and a really wide rim and you shove anything into it be it rocks or cutlery and just blast people with it so i assume it probably is a gun but he mightn't have gunpowder so he's just walloping people with it but uh he would find people on the road i think it was between cork and bantry and he'd just hold them ransom ask them for whatever uh they had uh, there was he picked l- people who looked like they had money which I appreciate really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were telling me the place near uh, his cave was called Polna Musteri Polna Musteri uh, so the lake of the butchers or pond, pond of the butchers because he dumped a lot of bodies in there and, and I don't know if it's a butcher <laughs> because he have to be butchers. killed blood butchers yeah, or was it because butchers blood pond mm. but um, eventually he was caught uh, I think the, the legend of him grew so much that the English soldiers this crazy came. man in the cave robbing people <laughs> <laughs> imagine I kind of wish that was still now the closest yeah. thing you get is a neighbourhood dog no uh, apparently there was a day onslaught between one man and the English soldiers I suppose he had the cave I guess it's hard to rush a man out of a cave especially <laughs> if he's got a blunderbuss <laughs> <laughs> and a pond of dead people but uh, yeah he was caught brought to Cork City convicted sentence and death by scaffold I assume that's hanging I'd say so but uh, on his execution because as we know from uh, things that used to be a big source of entertainment for local people. Weird. Big, big crowd. Uh, Everyone formed. would get around to watch a man hanging. What was up with people? And he couldn't see any friends of his in the crowd, but just... Did the man in the cave have friends? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just to probably play a trick on them, he said a crock of gold was lay hidden on the southern side of Dremore Hill between two white-torn trees. 
and that anybody fortunate enough to find it would never be in want. But apparently they searched and searched. and Never found. And this is a weird thing. I wouldn't call this guy a white boy personally. I think he was just... But he would have been branded back in those days a white boy. A fun chancellor, but yeah. This I is don't know, way. man, if he was making it up. Because if he was robbing all these people, a man who lives in a cave, what does he spend his money on? He's prob- it's probably in there somewhere. Hoarding it somewhere. Everyone, get out there and find that treasure. And give Two it to white us because we told you. So that last little bit of a story was about a man in a cave robbing things, but then this one is a bit darker. It doesn't say why these two white boys visited a house near Lear where an old man and woman lived. This man and woman, it was said, had money. Oh, that's why they went. They wanted mm. to steal money. Again, diluted. They're not exactly fighting landlords and things, but they're men who want money. The white boys took the man out of bed, and when he refused to give them money, they pulled out the fire and put him behind it and burned him. The room door was open and the woman saw that one of the white boys had a crooked eye. She knew the man and she swore it was he who burned her husband. The man was hanged for the deed soon after. So, again, these men were violent and these kind of people in the cities, I guess upper class, were sick of it. no part of it. They were sick of it and they were like, they started organisations where they were getting money together to capture these white boys and get rid of mm. them and just push them out of Ireland and everything. Uh, it's fu- it's funny to see, though, those lads, obviously, if they were white boys, had to collect money. It's the truth of any of these sort of uh, shadow organisations. At the end of the day, they usually need financing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where usually the, the weird waters get tread of these seemingly good organisations because, yes, they're getting rid of landlords and stuff, but they do need to use the same criminal this tools to feed themselves. To frighten you all, this still goes on today. Yeah. If governments need a lot of money, it's normally shady reasons that they get that money. They'd like Getting a lot of money fast, it's normally not done legally. <laughs> <laughs> so, they kind of, there was outbreaks of these white boys was mostly in the 1760s and over the num- next coming years, they were lots of militia and military was sent to crush these white boys and anyone associated with them was arrested and hung and all these people were just taken and things like that. I think they just took a no. Once the white boys put pet got a bit confident, put a bit of air in their chest, uh, the English decided for Ireland, okay, we need to put the strong foot down yeah. and not ignore these white and boys. And they put anymore. that foot down so strong that Lord Halifax, a British <laughs> statement, said... He claimed that the repression of the white boys had gone too far because the white boys had so many associates and there was so many of them that the countryside was now becoming short of farmers, that there was places where the houses were either gone into lockdown, there was no one living in these houses, or there was only women living in the houses with old men. There was no one to... That's crazy. When they started... To do the work or anything. And when they started killing sympathisers, they figured out, wow, we're literally killing most of Ireland. And he <laughs> said he wouldn't be surprised if this led to a famine because we are essentially killing the workforce. Damn. And getting rid of them. So that's interesting too. So another show of force from the English here. There was a group of white boys and in the local area they knew two landlords or two landlords knew all of the white boy names. It was Sands and Wall. Mm. So they liked Sands and they trusted him. But then this Wall landlord, they didn't trust him and he, they were sure he was, he was going to turn them all in. Mm. 
so they decided to try and kill him or get rid of him get him out of the picture so he knew this and he was afraid of them so he took up a house in Glynn near Kerry and he hid in there but the white boys attacked him and they attacked all night and eventually they said feck it we'll just set the house on fire and he was burned alive inside the house crazy uh, but it just shows they had gotten so far and uh, they didn't want to stop now. Uh, but as a result, uh, 200 soldiers came in from Limerick the, day, the next day. And I think their response was that they wanted to kill Everybody. everyone. <laughs> everyone in that area was going to be killed. Indistinctive of... Um, of Indiscriminately <laughs> murder everyone in our way. But mm-hmm. uh, the good man himself, Sands, uh, uh, met them uh, at the road before they came in at Johnny Nesk's it says here if you know who Johnny Nesk is uh, but um, he said he knew all the white boys so he said you can just have them arrested uh, you don't need to do harm to civilians uh, so they went to kill Bala Sands gave them the name of all the white boys but they only took three of them to be hanged uh, but they were hanged in Newtown or Ireland, I believe sure Uh but uh, sure. But uh, they hung the ri- the ringleaders, and uh, they drove two poles in the ground uh, below at the crossroad in Newtown Ards, uh, and put another pole across. Uh, they then put him standing in a horse's car and put the rope around the ringleader's neck, and then pulled away the car and left him hanging there. He was hanging there all day. The soldiers used to come often and give him a swing for sport and leave him swinging away for himself. All the doors were shut that day. Swinging away from <laughs> You wouldn't see a head out the door. I don't know what that meant. I think it's just that it kind of shook the locality. People did people not want like, to go Let's outside. not go outside. Let's stay inside this day. Uh, Spooky. It's like when you heard of when the Black and Tans were around. Mm, you didn't go outside. Life stopped, essentially. Uh, in the evening, they took him down and carried him off to Tralee in a car. But they lost him above at Shays Height in Clontover. They turned back and found him again and carried him off. As you if he ran from them. I presume he was dead at this point, or was he still alive when he was They must have let him fall and, and just turned around yeah, 20 minutes later and were like, oh no. Mm. <laughs> uh, the other two were hanged in Tralee. One of them was Mulva, Mulva Hill. I do not know who the other was. Wall lived in Kilbala, where the road turned up to Jim Kelly's house. Uh, it's crazy I love that little touch. to hear he's giving all these names. He knew these white boys personally. Oh uh, yeah. He knew their names. Definitely. Mad. It is crazy. So as they were this secret kind of organization, this clandestine organization, they would post proclamations and things in villages under names like Captain Moonlight, which I think is really cool. Amazing. And they demanded things like rent not to be paid, that expired land to be to lie fallow for three years and not to pay tithes to the Anglican church. They would write letters to debt collectors, landlords and occupants of land gained through previous evictions and just threaten them, I guess. They used to also march through towns and firing guns and things like that. But they would these marches are preceded by saying that Queen Sive and her children would walk among uh, walk among her domain. Damn. So they were saying this to kind of let people know we're going to be out tonight. Mm. And to support us, you will light up your house and leave a horse outside, a horse ready for use. And if people who didn't do this, their houses were vandalized, attacked, burned, destroyed, people were killed. Because I, I remembered hearing before uh, a simple, just the most simple version of white boyism was just getting horses in the area, getting guns, going outside the walls, not even into the landlord's house, but outside the walls, 
I'm just hooting and hollering. Just kicking shooting. up a fuss. Yeah. yeah, just so that, you know, it's a show of force at the start. Just showing that we're not going to sit down and take this. I think it wasn't until the white boys showed their force that they got crushed. Sent the other way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they probably went a bit too far. They got a bit loose and the English government was like, let's kill all these uh, ruffians. These Little white boys. Mm. So, why did we talk about the white boys mm. if it's not a piece of superstition? Obviously, there was bits of superstition in there, but they themselves were real. But uh, to me, they could have been as good as superstition because I'm almost certain I didn't learn about this. Um, maybe no. if I was in Leaving Cert, I would have. But it's funny that such a, what essentially would pave the way for the IRB and then the IRA, uh, which would lead to our revolution and then lead to our dotted history uh it's strange that that aspect was almost left out out. uh but quelled me and aaron in general when we look to the past and at these superstitions we're trying to take the good away from the bad exactly we cut the wheat take the wheat and leave the chaff exactly no chaff. There please. was some chaff with these white boys like murdering innocents and robbery and things like that. But they were mm. as good. These local people standing up for local causes, local people supporting local people, which I feel like we don't live like that anymore. We mm. all look at the big picture all the time. We all and look it at can the be world hard. at large. I think we look at, remember how we said that this was a grassroots thing? This happened locally. Mm. I think sometimes it can feel overwhelming, feeling like we're a part of a globalized network. It can feel like you're a little bit at home means nothing means nothing and it's hard to put the foot out when you feel like the journey you won't finish exactly but um i think what we can take away from this is these were definitely uneducated young men and women there was women that helped the white Mm. boys and um they saw that something was wrong and they did as best as they could at the time yes there was there was dotted you know but if a system is oppressive then unfortunately, some of the rules, you will have to break some rules because the rules have been set unfairly against you. So in technically, you'll That's be a lawbreaker. Exactly. The problem starts when you start to like the, break the laws that maybe are in there for a reason. But uh, we just taught this Dublin, Ireland... Luke, is are you telling us all to break the law? <laughs> well, all I'm saying is Dublin <laughs> and Ireland in general, we've talked about how rents rents keep rising and there's a quarantine at the moment there's a, there was a pandemic and there still is a pandemic there's an art there's an article there's articles always coming out about how people don't want to rent in dublin as much as they used to mm. yet the rent prices are still what they were mm-hmm. uh i have been you've been in college for several years i've been years living in dublin here. for seven years now and would you say how many times have you come across something similar to a rack rent Man, I feel like I hear about it at least weekly. I, I think this extortionate <laughs> rents and these horrible landlords who will charge these rents and not do, not even give people nice mattresses to sleep on in these no. houses. And there's no government in between them. And people who maybe don't ha- aren't in these situations ask, why don't you move? And why don't you challenge them? Or why don't you get the government involved? Because mm. then you lose your bed. Because <laughs> yeah. if the well, you mightn't, but there's fear there. This is the home you live in. Uh, and this is a fear that people in the back in the day had. How my, I, are my land is my land going to get stolen? And people like the white boys, as 
bad as some of their aspects were, were there to remind authorities, look, you we're serve not, us. We're not going to take this. We're not going to sit down and let everything, let you walk all over us. So in uh, hopefully people can take something from this and integrate something into your life where you see inequalities or you see kind of local unfairness mm. and try and do something about it if you can. And you don't have to become a messiah and you don't have no. to become a politician, but you can... I think the purest thing you can do is say, I don't agree with that and I'm going to stand with you on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I won't bring up the instance in particular, but I th- uh, we've all seen the new story of people in Dublin city centre being unfairly kicked out of their homes uh, by private organisations with help from the policing force. And there were locals there to stand against them. Uh, they did their own bit of white boyism without the... It was peaceful without any without any violence and without any cats getting thrown into beds. Uh, so more or less all I'm saying is is if you see something bad happening, get the white frocks on. Um, get them on, lads. Help your friend out. And as always, we'd like to thank Garrett Quinn Redmond for his absolutely glorious music. Oh my god, it's and that new that new piece of music oh out there. we love it everyone needs to get out there and listen to Gareth Redmond. I've been I've had the pleasure of seeing him twice live I'm, I'm telling <laughs> you that boy is a magician he can do it both live and on the in the studio at home and in the gym <laughs> uh, and I want to thank uh, Asleen Larkin for doing the beautiful if you like our logo it is lovely you can't stop staring at our logo I can't then uh, get then look no further uh, but other than that um Stay safe out there, everyone. Yeah. Be kind. Stand up for the little guy if you can. Stay on the right side of the blunderbuss. Absolutely. Load it with forks and let it rip. and let it rip.